Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today we're delving back to a film that I really should have seen. Last week, uh, Lloyd got to visit Beetlejuice, which he'd never seen before. This week, I've never seen Tron. And uh, here I am, now having versed myself in Jeff Bridges' version of Tron, or the earliest version of Tron. Uh, Of course, there is a sequel to this Tron Legacy that I've now read a loose synopsis of and uh I'm oh, so you of, haven't seen tron legacy no no okay. just just original tron i mean there's always room for us to revisit that as well but i just thought i would give a heads up if if like me you as well did not feature tron in uh in your childhood it was out in 1982 uh please feel free to tune out if you don't want to hear spoilers because uh, we are going to be discussing tron in some detail and, of course, ruining the ending of the film. The computer. An extension of the human intellect. The ENCOM 511. Center of the most calculating intelligence on Earth. Programmed by Master Control to survive by all means. Soon, the ultimate tool will become the ultimate enemy. Lloyd, uh, you had seen Tron. What was your experience seeing it the first time? I must have watched Tron a thousand times when I was young, Dave. It it really blew me away. I remember loving that neon light look. And when it was like Australia Day, or if there was like a festival that went on at night where you could buy those glow sticks and those pretty long glow sticks you could wrap around you. Well, I I guess I was pretty young when I bought them. Like it, oh my gosh, I just went crazy. Like you'd... You know, because the way it would light you up would be like in Tron, you know, at dark at night. And Frisbees, me and my brother would always do disc battles, like the one characterized in the movie. Uh, my, my parents bought it at a garage sale, uh, I think, or, you know, just one. And I, th- I thought it was something that, that was only me and Josh knew about it, because I'd bring up Tron to other people, and not many people knew what we were talking about. Like, uh, I don't think anyone when we were kids. And I was just shocked when Tron Legacy came out. And how much of, the, of a cult following Tron had. And I saw references of Tron in popular media, like in The Simpsons or South Park. And so I was like, okay, maybe it was a big hit when I was young, just not in the area I grew up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, most recently as well, the TV show The Goldbergs, which, you know, is all set in the 80s. The little kid in that dresses up in the Tron outfit. I was always familiar with the look of it. You know, the film in general, it was something that I was aware of just in popular culture and i knew that somebody gets trapped in a computer but that's all i knew well i'm really interested in hearing your opinion on this because i'm looking at this through nostalgia goggles so to me um the special effects still hold up like i just watched the film again i think the film is still magical it's an absolute triumph of special effects to me and um it's interesting this was unfortunately ignored by the academy because they saw the use of computer effects as cheating back in like um the early 80s which is hilarious considering you know what's 
prominently used today which is cgi um i've only seen fragments um of this movie special features and i know they worked really exhaustively on it and they pushed the technology to its limits and beyond and they invented entirely new techniques it was way ahead of its time and i think it laid the groundwork for companies like pixar pixar to grow from and that look of black and white actors with the neon suits i don't think we will ever see again because the tools they used and invented in making that i don't think if they could ever replicate it or or even if they wanted to they couldn't um you, you know like i'm I, i'm really disappointed i didn't get the blu-ray special edition of the tron legacy when that film had a lot of um uh, a lot going for it and they released a special edition with tron and all these special features with it i'm so disappointed i didn't pick it up um i really should go back and revisit it <laughs> I'm, I'm i did see the trailers for uh, tron legacy when you know other things were playing at the theater and uh, i remember thinking uh I haven't seen the first one, so I don't know if I can dip into the second. You, the sec- you had the right attitude because it is a direct <laughs> sequel. Like, and there's yeah. so like it's such a risk for them to have made. Like, I will talk about Tron Le- Legacy a bit further on uh, as we talk about Tron, but I just have to give so much respect to the people who made Tron that it is a direct sequel and they were just like no we don't care if they haven't seen it they could just pick up all the pieces you know that's the attitude of the film of tron legacy so he did the right thing by going oh well, i haven't seen the first one so i better not it's just so weird like a little cult classic and then they make um a sequel with hundreds of millions of dollars into it you know they'll go you know it's pretty risky <laughs> yeah and 30 years on i don't know it's i got to imagine that the um no, the effects in Tron feel like you know the, the things they could do in a month they did in days or hours 30 years later you know so this sort of I can see a nostalgic for Tron that's awesome sort of looking at the effects I've read a few things online where people hate the effects and they don't think they hold up but yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it like what they could do at the time uh, it's all pretty groundbreaking and you know yeah it, it becomes this iconic little sci-fi gem I can appreciate that Look, it's an it's also nostalgic for the time because I mean arcades, you know, are never going to be that popular. Again. Yeah, I know. We we grew up with and um we grew up with arcades being so popular um for us, you know. So it was just a great flow on from the eighties into the nineties. You know, arcades didn't really die for us until around the two thousands. It's interesting too because I watched this film with I suppose some more knowledge of computers and how things work and you know ram for me was random access memory you know and when you see this uh well the character of flynn who's a user go into the computer uh, the whole time i'm thinking what is tron supposed to mean like i didn't realize tron was a person for a while it took you know (laughs) I, i was enjoying unraveling the mysteries of this movie as it came along the thing was when he goes into the computer and stuff i was wondering if it was all happening in like a nanosecond you know yeah no it it does like the the time that goes in uh it's they say it in tron legacy and i can't remember exactly what they said but like um years would be like days um in the real world you know so i'm assuming yeah you're right like it's only a few seconds going by Uh, like maybe uh, it's only been like an hour in the real world and it's been you know a week or so in in tron i'm not sure the exact figures but you're you're absolutely right with that logic yeah and uh i had some thoughts that were interesting about i don't know if you'll find them interesting lloyd but I'll, I'll share them uh so you know the first act really ends with him getting transported into the computer so there's a lot of setup of 
who Jeff Bridges' character Flynn is, and how he's and these two other people are gonna you know he's gonna they're gonna help him for no real reason. I mean, I suppose she used to be romantically involved with him. This new guy is not really that threatened, and so they're gonna help break him into the place so he can see whether or not he can get evidence that the video games he invented like there's evidence on the computers that he originally invented them and this guy Dillinger who's in charge played by David Warner did not invent them uh which is all very convenient the whole uh he's gonna find the evidence it prints out the one page of evidence he needs at the end it's kind of like the plot of the social network but with video games you know like who's who's the author of it kind of thing yeah no that's that's a great point i did find the screens where it shows like you know you need group seven access do this command (laughs) all very comical because you know i mean uh, at the time you're probably like oh what does that mean you know but it's sort of weird like you know do this command for me (laughs) sort of the way the users were sort of uh portrayed i found comical at times but they were like gods and the um, all the programs were like you know the worshiping them. That that was a people, really yeah. interesting. A lot like putting your head back into the eighties. A lot of people, the mainstream people, just had no idea the internals of the computer. Um, you know, and like this film dramatizes the world of it, and uh, it, it does seem comical when you think about it. But the world just is so believable to me that you go inside it. And there's this whole ecosystem, you know, we, we are the gods because we created them. And there's this whole dynamic of existentialism and, and all that. Like, there's a great line when they're on, um, like, it's almost like a theological aspect of the film. And they're on that um, uh, ship and that's going across the beam. And he goes, if you're a user, then everything you have done has has been according to plan, right? And I think Tron says that. And then Jeff Bridges says, you wish. You guys know what it's like. You just keep doing what, what it looks like you're supposed to be doing, no matter how crazy it seems. Um, th- that's the way for programs, yes. And then he says, I hate to disappoint you, pal, but that's the way it is for users too. And, he, and then he replies, stranger and stranger. I, I think that scene is the heart of the theological aspect of the film that I don't think they mean to to dwell on it or anything it's just a part of that world that they've created that if the if we are the users and we created the programs what do the programs think what's you know what what are their you know if they're alive and what they're doing i I love that whole idea there's this whole world inside that little box that you you just send your emails and everything when those programs die as well it's like um i was wondering whether you know because i'm not really attached to them i know their programs also when they were kissing each other I was like, oh, this isn't really like they shouldn't. <laughs> they shouldn't feel empathy, and they shouldn't. They shouldn't work this way. Uh, but I suppose that's Flynn's way of interacting uh, with them, did, or something. Didn't you feel anything with the character of Ram died? You know, how three of them escaped: Tron, Jeff Bridges, and Ram. Yeah, yeah, and they escape, and he's like a finance advisor program that dies <laughs> from when the tanks fire at the you know at the light cycles. The light cycles sure. is that what they're called. Yeah. Um, I believe so. <laughs> did you find those scenes exciting when they got on those cycles and they Um yes and no. Uh some of the stuff that was going on everything was sort of happening slowly. Like when they're chasing each other, it's all sort of a little bit in slow motion. I know it's the animation from the time. Yep. Which was incredibly t- difficult to do and pull off. Yeah. yeah. And look but some of it took took me out of it. Like I was like, okay, slowly happening. I mean the light cycles are quick, you know, that's 
the line cycles for me felt like on the old Nokia's. You know how you can play <laughs> Snake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think like, that's what it is. I, I never yeah. played Tron the video game, and I don't know what came first. And I actually researched a bit for this, and I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> I, I don't know what came first. The I know it was a concept Tron, the creator, and Disney was looking because Disney was just making Herbie and cartoons they had no idea what they were doing believe it or not disney at a time was just lowball you know what i mean and um and they were looking for a big franchise to be on the same on the same par as star wars and they put everything into this guy's idea tron he's like all right let's go crazy with this so i'm not sure quite sure if they made the video game first or the video games came from tron um, which is pretty interesting. If if it's a case that the video games were made post Tron, that the characterization of the video game in Tron is brilliant. You know the light cycles going. It's so believable that that could be a really interesting game. I don't agree with the tank battle being a hard game. You know, it's like oh my gosh, Jeff Bridges is about to break the ultimate score. Your Flynn, yeah. sorry. You know, and he's just shooting. I'm like, well, that looks like the easiest game. <laughs> he's just it's just timing. He's just shooting yeah. at the right time. Yeah. There's not even any like aiming to it <laughs> yeah all right well I, I wrote down uh, that these are just my impressions having seen it once uh when you're inside the computer and they have those guards with those electronic sticks uh that all reminded me of thx 1138 i had i still have not seen that that's george lucas's first movie i think yeah there's um oh it might be a second i don't want to i think well he did a short of it anyway it's feature length um, there are these guards who are, you know, uh, keeping Robert Duvall's character there and they have the exact same kind of electricity at the end of the sticks and that just was very familiar an image. The master control program, who, you know, is the howl of this film, if you're looking at the 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, he's the brains of it. He's trying to take over everything. He wants to get to the Pentagon and whatever else. Um, the Kremlin, I think he says. He, when he gets Flynn into the machine with that laser, which is fine, I'm happy to go with that, it seems very strange that he makes him play video games. It seems a very odd punishment. Like that he he's doesn't, very... doesn't want to kill him off. I think that's his ego getting in the way. He wants to prove that he's just not that good of a gamer because he made the fortune... That program with David Warner made their fortune from the video games, right? And that he knows that that's the actual creator right there. And then he says, as he goes, he goes, you, I want to see how good you really are. And then he blasts him, turning him into, you know, um, bringing him into his world. And he gives specific instructions to the David Warner <coughs> character in the Tron world. In the cyber world, I should say. Not to kill him. Not yeah. to kill him. The games have to, I want him to play. Oh, what's the line? I want him to die until games oh, i can't remember <laughs> it's something like you know die playing or yeah, something. yeah um yeah it's, it's strange i was like okay well this is like you know getting hercules and saying all right well i want him to die lifting things even though he's ultimately very strong or whatever you know <laughs> well i want to quickly you- say with david warner who plays the villain uh he was huge for me when i was young because i loved this movie heaps and i also love teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 the secret of the ooze where he played the scientist helping out the turtles he really is great here he provides the voice for the master control program and also of course plays the villain um businessman and his counterpart in the digital world and i love that reaction when tron shouts to him i'm also better than you you know when they have the big confrontation at the very end and his face falls and he engages him with the discs oh my gosh that was awesome (laughs) 
the voice he's, he provides for Master Control is brilliant, I think. Just really, really, uh, a really haunting Darth Vader-like voice. What age did you see this? Because I was wondering watching it, you know, how much it was for kids. You know, I had no idea what was going on. Like, um when i was young like uh, i didn't quite get what was going on but i saw it really young i think i was eight years old or something when i saw it eight to ten and um just the lighting and and the the computer world and the tanks and the light cycles um just really intrigued me you know <laughs> the light cycles were, were fun there was like a charm to that whole part of it then there was there was that game where they have to bounce Stuff yeah, didn't you feel sorry for that guy? Like, like he goes, "You're pretty good," and you know, he goes, oh, "I try this on," and then you know, they're they're like, I'm um, just joking with each other, throwing that ball around, but they're they are playing to the death. And one of the guys, you, you know, Jeff Bridges get ends up getting a good shot, and like he's about to fall off, and David Warner yells, "Finish the game!" and he goes, "No," and he puts down the plasma ball, you know, thing, and then um, David Warner ends up killing him, like just getting rid of that panel that he's holding on to. Um, you know, you start feeling for these characters, although they're just programs, which brings me back to Ram again. I think, um, you know, when when Ram dies, that scene, that that death really affects Jeff Bridges, like the character Flynn, because at that point he knows that they're all just programs, and yet he seems really upset when Ram gets, uh, I'll use the word here, derezzed. Um, and and I think in a way the writers carried that really over into well into Tron Legacy, and that uh, well I can't talk too much about it, but that really affects jeff bridges that he really um believes in this world and feels for this world i think it's taken on a different logic at that point after the character of ram dies the writers did a brilliant job of of flowing a lot of elements from tron into tron legacy i think does the whole religious allegory continue oh yeah that's it it's brilliantly done like uh, tron legacy um for me was such a surprise i didn't even know the original was popular enough for the studio to say hey let's make a hundred million dollar sequel and i unfortunately missed it at the cinema because i'm an idiot and so many people talked it up going oh have you seen this movie tron legacy it's amazing and i never went so well um you know i've seen the original so i'm sure it won't be as good as the original i was one of those (laughs) snobs and i watched a dvd in a home and i was blown away i thought the ending the ending's a bit weak for me i became a little bit star wars episode three um and the cgi jeff bridges like they make him look really young it the technology just wasn't there then like it looks good when the lighting is dark but there are scenes when he gives full emotional speeches and it looks so rubbery um yeah but um, interesting yeah but how much respect and love they have for the original film is all throughout tron legacy it is a really great film um yeah, I highly recommend everyone to watch it, and I really hope they make a sequel to it. Apparently there's a TV series that's, I don't know, if, I think it's still or currently running called Tron Uprising. Um, you know, so... and that's I'm got, not familiar. Yeah, that's yeah. got a little bit of a cult following. So, I, you know, I, I think Tron is still going to be relevant. I don't know if they're going to have as much momentum to make another Tron. Like, you should definitely watch it and check it out and let me know what you think if they will make a sequel to it, because the music of daft punk in it the the action scenes are sublime the the world it's it's just a really great world that they can tap into so much but uh you know from what i read the the movie was a moderate success you know so i don't know what's holding them back Uh, maybe a writing issue or something like that maybe the actors aren't interested i don't know i'm just afraid too much time maybe has passed for them to build up momentum to make a sequel 
I suppose Jeff Bridges has an Oscar for acting. He can pretty much pick and choose his projects. I, and-, and I think he likes the role of Tron. Like, I think he really likes that, and it showcases in Tron Legacy. I think when he was offered Tron Legacy, he read the script and went, yeah, let's do this, because he plays the role so brilliantly. Like, uh, and I can't spoil what happens at the end of Tron Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe towards the end of this, we'll do a little uh, spoiler warning, <laughs> yeah. and you can. Uh, just on that hitting the targets, where there's that game where they're bouncing the stuff off the ceiling and hitting the targets. When he refuses, and he says, I'm not going to do it, he kind of drops the ball that should really knock out the panel. <laughs> yeah, I always thought that as well. Like, if he goes, yeah. no, and the ball drops, I'm just like, well, that just hit the panel that you're standing on, so shouldn't you disappear? Like, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, yeah, there wasn't a wide enough shot for you to really see what happened. It just, yeah. Look. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about the animation and stuff, and you know, putting real people in animated backgrounds and stuff. I, I don't know all the examples of when it's happened maybe you've done the research but i was thinking about who framed roger rabbit you know oh yeah yeah no, that's a great that, point yeah into that real world i was thinking as well about the fact that he doesn't remember he's a user now what i didn't like was that it was a very un well anticlimactic like way of remembering there was no real awakening where he was i like, I, I was i never thought he actually forgot it i always thought he was pretending like because it really yeah because he thought it would it was when the scene with tron and ram and, the, and ram is saying oh you're a little bit fuzzy it'll slowly come back to you is that the scene you're talking about and he just doesn't tell him outright that he's a user yeah well i i got the impression that he'd forgotten who he was yeah, I, I never had that. I, I thought the moment he got into that world, he was like, where am I? And the moment he figured out, oh, okay, I must be in the game, oh, I'm a user, he he just doesn't tell Ram that until, you know, at the point of dying. Um, you know, and like he, he's, he knows he's a user the whole time, he just doesn't know how to t- tell him to verbalise it, or maybe it's too shocking if he does tell him that. <laughs> Maybe. Well, he sort of seemed to realise that he could steal or steer a recogniser, and he sort of seemed to come into that, like, figuring out part of his, oh, I I know what I'm doing here, I'm a user or whatever. But I thought there'd be a moment where he would be like, I don't belong here, I'm a user. I know, you know, I know something that people here don't. A very kind of Neo from the Matrix kind of awakening. Yeah, sure, yeah. But I was disappointed not to see one. But if... You're correct, and he knew all along. Yeah. That didn't really come across for him. Yeah, well, yeah, he knew all along, and he just doesn't know the laws of what he can do as a user. Like, what is his powers? He just has no idea. Like, I'm in this world. Okay, I need to get back to the real world. Shit. Oh, okay, I'm a user. What can I do? You know? <laughs> I liked the little bit. Yeah. yeah he, meet, he meets the bit who has that yes or no sound effect, basically. Very cute, very R2-D2. It you know makes me think of what bb8 is going to be for the new star wars you know <laughs> but then he disappears you're like oh <laughs> it, it's brief isn't it yeah. I, you could have got more out of him there's a sequence where they communicate with alan one you know they the line is something like uh this is the key to a new order this code disc means freedom i felt like some of that stuff was heavy exposition for the viewers you know there was probably a version of tron where people were, were saying I don't know what's going on here at all. Um, why do we need some title cards at the beginning or someone to narrate this? <laughs> this is the power sword that you have now. This is the sword that Arthur has pulled out of the stone. Just plunged this into the dragon's heart. That's fundamentally what that scene is, I think. 
the master computer, he has a henchman, the one he tells, you know, not to kill him and make sure he dies in the yeah, game. the David Warner version um, in the Tron world. <laughs> yeah, I didn't um, catch his name at any point, but I'm sure it's on IMDb. What was running through my head with all that, the master computer, like, hurts, and uh, his main... He hurts the main sort of red henchman. It reminded me of, like, Unicron, where he, like, makes Ultra Magnus. You remember in the Transformers animated movie? That, that was one of the greatest scenes of all time. That the exact scene where he makes Ultra Magnus? Wh- or? Where he makes um, it's Meg- uh, Megatron into Galvatron. Galvatron, that's it. Ultra Magnus is a good guy, it's isn't It's one he? of the greatest moments of animation. It's, it's sublime, that scene. <laughs> Yeah, and there's this there's this power that the master computer seems to have over him in that, you know, like, I've created you, you're just a program, I could destroy you. And he ends up giving all his his power to David Warner, who grows into a giant. Yeah. yeah. That's the one. One of my favourite scenes in, in uh, you know, just off topic, in uh, Transformers is basically the rise of Rodimus Prime. Hot Rod turning into Rodimus Prime, just... That's the toy I had, uh, the hot rod toy. But yeah, look, you think about the MCP, how it was once a chess program. There's that quick line of exposition, you know, the old guy tells us. You would think being a chess program, like it's looking for checkmate, it's going to get rid of pawns, it's going to, you know, strategically win, right? And it's grown however many percent since then. I don't think that if you're trying to win, like the ego would get in the way. It seems like he would have evolved past that and Flynn, it would be like, now Flynn's in here, we can kill him. He's no longer an obstacle. That was probably my my main problem with the film when I watched it. I was just saying, well, it's weird that they just keep getting him to do the thing he's really good at. It's interesting um, how you see a brief um, image of uh, the Master Control at the very end when he gets destroyed. Like it's this old guy in this... um uh, I don't know, in this weird shell, and he, like, backs away and into darkness. Do, do you remember that sequence? Oh, man, that was weird. Like, as a kid, I was like, what was that? Who who was that guy? You know, it was just such an eerie image that they never really explained. But obviously, that's master control, and, you know, and you do hear him derez off screen. That scene where they crash, and then, you know, they say Tron's dead. I mean, uh, as a seasoned viewer, I know he's not dead. <laughs> you know, it was just not the case <laughs> well, that scene where they're on the beam that ship on the beam the only special effect that doesn't hold up for me is when they're on the ship that's going across this neon beam and yori the girl points out these grid bugs and it shows this animation of these green digital bugs it, it would be so much better had they cut that out because it doesn't do anything for the plot it doesn't foreshadow anything at all because the bugs never surface again as far as i know and the animation it just takes you completely out of the movie like the background and color doesn't match anything at all with the film it's so jarring to me it was jarring when i saw it as a kid and it was jarring when i saw it again recently recently i was like what the hell um maybe the animators spent so long on it that they held a gun to the editor to keep it in the film I can't say I remember that shot. Okay, it's these uh, green bugs that just pop up. You know, oh, we got to watch okay. out for them. And they go, vom, vom, vom. you know, I can't do the sound. <laughs> <laughs> sound was pretty good across the across the board. Did you like, like you the know. music? I didn't mind yeah, it. Yeah, I really um, liked the music. It was sort of like, you know, uh, I don't know if you've seen A Scanner Darkly. No, I um, haven't seen that film. Uh, they 
basically uh, they filmed it all and then they painted the film like and or they like you know, an animation uh, animated over the top of the image mm. so the whole thing is animation it was like you get used to it right away and it was the same thing with Tron is that you know you go right this is what the film looks like and you ad- adapt immediately and you're just kind of in that world so like that for me was the big achievement of the film was that immediately I'm like, cool, we're in a computer or whatever. That's cool. Uh, I understand the laws of whatever don't apply and this is all different. There's And you you kind of go with it. There's a great shot at the end of the film where it lingers on the modern city as it goes to night um, and the music's playing. If That always haunted me when I was a kid and I think it was supposed to resemble how much our world resembles the world of the digital like it, mm-hmm. it just, I think so. Yeah, it just time lapses, and we're talking, you know, speeds up from daytime to nighttime, and you're just seeing life function, like cars going back to work or to home or whatever, and it and the the lights come on um, as it goes to night, like all the city lights and everything like that, and it just looks like a circuit board almost. Um, yeah, and I thought it just always haunted me that last shot of the movie, how much our our world rep- is very similar to the the world of the you know the, the machine oh yeah i wrote down now uh, the final shot fast forwarding a bit like the circuit world yeah okay so, so you had the, it had the same effect on you first time viewing yeah <laughs> you, absolutely comes across i wrote down are the programs faulty is that why they have feelings <laughs> like are they glitching you know um are they able to do things they shouldn't be able to do like kiss and fall in love because that was a bit heavy-handed for me well the old guy at the very beginning who invented the machine that projects them you know that takes he takes out the orange and master control obviously uses the same machine to bring jeff bridges into that world he said like a lot of throwaway dialogue but if you listen closely he says oh soon machines will be able to think for themselves like um and that's the idea of ai so i I just feel this movie was just so far ahead of its time like addressing some of these themes and ideas of science fiction but i I guess the implication is that the world the cyber world that we've created may take on a life of itself and the programs and things that inhabit it will grow feelings like us or think like us and, and and everything like that yeah i also wondered if when they kiss or whatever you know that's the two programs doing one function together like working in harmony but what is it what's the water doing is that like an energy thing for them like you know when they're drinking Um, water and all their suits just slightly go brighter you know i always wondered what is that in the cyber world like is that just electricity maybe well i kind of assumed it was like uh (laughs) recharge well it's water looks like water but some kind of recharge because of the way the suits light up it seemed like there were almost like you know drugs for them like they were just kind of like getting a burst of energy from it but uh power surge i mean i really don't know i'm sure this has been answered but (laughs) as i said i've seen it once so i'm not quite there i think you know knowing what i know there's a sequel and everything i'm just waiting for them to win in a way um so i'm just sort of watching knowing they're going to win waiting for them to win so when uh there's the giant version and they have to throw the identity disc and hit that one spot very star wars kind of way uh the one weak point of the whole thing oh yeah yeah it's like the the death star i didn't even think of that (laughs) yeah of the master control whatever this one weak spot you gotta do it you know they're going to do it i'm just waiting for them to do it i suppose 
it would have been more exciting watching it when I was younger and not knowing whether or not it would all work out. So that was a little bit spoiled for me, the climax. But then the second sort of climax is when right at the very end, you know, he gets the very convenient page of, uh, you know, evidence to prove he made the games. And then it transitions and he's arriving by helicopter and you get those like eight seconds or whatever it is of him getting out going, right, okay, he's in charge now. This has all worked out for everybody, like a super happy ending, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. That last shot, I was like, oh, shouldn't there have been more to that (laughs) at the very end? Well, once the monster's dead, the movie's over, I guess. I guess so. I mean, it, it was a lean 96 minutes for Tron. This came out the same year as Blade Runner. That's pretty crazy. I wonder if, like, Blade Runner took, you know, uh, the mainstream audience and Tron was sort of more obscure. Well, yeah, and like I, I think it was aiming to get the kids into the movies and it just wasn't attractive enough for kids. I think it, it was just too complicated. Were you ever bored in the film? Just when I was kind of waiting for something to happen, like... When they were being chased, I was like, well, then obviously going to get away. And it's so <laughs> complicated as well. Like, I thought, I think, personally, I think the writers did a brilliant job at bringing that cyber world and creating programs and giving them a physicality and things like that, giving it its own world and, and everything. And the duality of each character, like, Alan wrote the program of Tron, so Tron looks like Alan. You know, Jeff Bridges wrote the... Ca- oh, Flynn wrote, you know programs as well that gets killed right at the beginning and they 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 look like him um i thought that was all brilliant but it's just so complicated for kids to get and i think that's what disney was banking on that they were just hoping to make you know a star wars ish style of film and they had the right tone it's just the complexity of it i think was just too strong well they didn't they didn't dumb it down which you know is good i suppose i don't know if i'm remembering this correctly but if flynn hadn't forgotten anything wouldn't he have seen the program that looked like Alan and sort of said, Alan, you're here too? He does, doesn't he? He, he looks at him, he goes, well, he does see him from a distance and he goes, who's that guy? Oh, that's Tron. He fights for the users. And then he sees him later on because when he saw, sees Yori, he knows exactly who she is. Um, but that's after, I guess, the scene when he does know that he is a user. When he remembers. Yeah, when he remembers. Okay. I'm not 100% sure on that, but that's fine. I don't think I need to be. Because the love triangle for me, like, you know, we got a kind of subtle, they had history in real life, but I don't know if they needed to have, like, the whole part where they think Tron is dead and then she kisses Flynn and then she's like, I thought you were dead and then they kiss, like, immediately. (laughs) (laughs) I I think uh, Jeff Bridges was just saying goodbye at that point. I don't think he meant to imply that for a relationship or anything like that. And I love the little cute look they give to each other. Like, after he kisses Yori, she's like, the the program's like, wow, I've never experienced that before, you know, what was that? And then, you know, Flynn jumps in, dies... Uh, implies that he dies and then um, giving way for Tron to fire off the disc and then once they come back together she kisses Tron right away and then he's like what his reaction's like what was that like he's never been kissed before and then the implication I think is that Flynn has opened up this new dimension of relationships to this world and now they're all gonna you know have massive orgies and stuff (laughs) I'm only kidding (laughs) for kids yeah Uh, do you want to talk about Tron Legacy a little bit? Yeah, like it's... It, oh, heads up, spoilers <laughs> possibly here for Tron Legacy. I haven't seen it, but... Well, it's taken 
um, exactly like I think the film came out in 2010, so it's it taken exactly from when um, Tron left off to 2010. Flynn's now had a kid, um, and he he goes he's he loves his kid and everything like that. He he's um, going I'll take you on a ride um, one day. Like this is the young Jeff Bridges, and he goes on his motorbike, and the kid never sees him again. The father just disappears, leaving this massive empire tech techno empire to his kid and the kid grows up sort of lost without the father figure and then he gets a um alan who who they cast the same character they try to cast all the same characters from the original tron which is great gets um a message on his pager from his father and he says look i've got a message from your father and he goes how can that be um He's been, he's disappeared for so long, and he goes. I've he told me before he left to keep this pager on me at all costs, and that's what I did. I've always kept it on me. Kept I don't know if the charger is still around at, in 2010 for a pager. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it takes AA batteries or something. So he gets this weird message, like seemingly beyond the grave, because Jeff Bridges has disappeared for you know 30 sonic or 20 sonic years, and then he go. It, it tells him to go to Flynn Arcade. So he goes to Flynn Arcade, which is dead. There's nothing left. All the arcade machines have coverings over it and he's just lifting up li- lifting the covers over and he noticed these indentations on the ground the arcade one particular arcade um has been moved so he moves it, and there's a secret door behind it and he goes in there and there's all this machines that his dad's been working on and there's that um the machine that brought jeff bridges into the techno world so of course he plays with it the machine brings um him into the cyber world and th- there it begins like how is he going to get his way back his father's now like a god in this world um you know and i don't want to get too much into that but the son basically has to find the father jeff bridges the choreography of all the fight scenes is all modernized so you saw those disc battles picture the disc battles just times 20 with kung fu matrix type movements with it um that beautiful girl olivia wilde plays the main romantic lead in it she is absolutely stunning um the villain of the piece is a young Jeff Bridges. So Jeff Bridges' double, I guess, is in there, um, but younger. And while Jeff Bridges has aged, so Jeff Bridges is playing himself older, and he's also, I guess, motion-captured as the younger Jeff Bridges, who's the main villain um, in it. And the fight scenes, the light cycle sequences, they're all so amazing. And it's all the what's sublime about it is the music by Daft Punk, um it's just the energy of it and uh, how they marry the images with the music together is just amazing it just really charges you up and that soundtrack i can listen to all day it is so awesome unfortunately the movie just uh, gets a little bit at the very end and i don't want to spoil it but it gets too much of like you know at the end of um uh um star wars episode three you were supposed to bring balance to the force it comes a bit too much like that for me you know the positive and the negative have to cancel each other out and uh, that's the only thing i didn't like about it and the motion capture of jeff bridges just seemed a bit out of place there just uh, it just didn't work in some crucial scenes but dave i highly recommend it now that you've seen tron to check out tron legacy seems like i might have to (laughs) Uh, we're always looking for your feedback guys so you can find all the links to find us at www.podmeifyoucan.com uh, next up on the podcast we will be looking at a film that I've been looking forward to, to some uh, for some time it's called Everest and it's based on a film on uh, a book called um, Into Thin Air 
that I read some time ago. Look, we do these upcoming film podcasts and we sort of look ahead at things we might want to cover on the podcast and Everest was one that I'd suggested at the time. So uh, it's finally out. It's getting Oscar buzz. It's got an all-star cast. It's got uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. It's got Keira Knightley. It's about climbing Mount Everest and it's based on true events. So uh, we're going to be delving into that next time on the podcast and uh, hopefully you can join us. Uh, so like, let us know if you think we should do Tron Legacy as well because uh, I'd love to check it out for the podcast if uh, there is some interest from you guys. Lloyd, hopefully uh, this, this film obviously near and dear to you, <laughs> yeah. Tron. Uh, hopefully we've done it some justice. Do you um, feel like, oh man, I really missed a, a gem there of my childhood or you were like, oh yeah, I can, I can see not missing this. <laughs> Well, it was funny because we've we've done this before. We've we've been filling the um, the holes in our back catalogues, and and I watched the Goonies, you know, which very much felt like, and there's a whole episode you guys can find about it, but it felt very much like I needed to see it when I was younger, and I feel the same about yeah, Tron, sure. that I've missed the boat, that I'm never going to feel the way about Tron that you do, having seen it so many yeah, times. Yeah, st- I definitely got nostalgia attached all over for me, but you're not the only one. Like uh, I really thought it was like a movie that me and josh me and my brother sorry only discovered because my parents bought it randomly i don't know what this is you guys might like it and we watched (laughs) it hundreds of times when we were young and we'd bring up quotes from it you know we'd do frisbee battles and people have no idea what we're talking about you know tron and no one would you know people like what i've never seen tron and it was only until i saw it referenced so much in popular culture like i said simpsons south park and i was like oh maybe it was a big hit elsewhere you know with other people (laughs) well frisbees are due for a comeback so uh we maybe will see a trilogy i guess do you (laughs) Have something in mind if you think there was a third film. Do you want to try and guess the plot for Tron? Uh, for if there was a third one for yeah. Tron Legacy. Um, well, no, past Tron Legacy, I suppose. If is there an obvious plot at the end of the Tron Legacy? Would you assume what's going to happen in the third one? Um, yeah, yeah. No, they they can they can easily follow through without spoiling it. There's there's a huge thing with the character of olivia wilde that they could get right into and explain all that much more but again i can't say anything about it unless i spoil the whole thing so i won't but yeah definitely they could definitely make a third one out of it i wonder if there is a market for it yeah maybe maybe they have to wait another 30 years when uh, (laughs) the actor who plays the son whomever he is and olivia wilde have grown up and uh, (laughs) then they can cgi other versions of them and Anyway, I'll have to watch it to be able to explain it. Uh, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, tune in next week for Everest. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod me if you can. Movie reviews. <laughs>